For 50 years, Ebar, an alien from planet Rykos, has lived in human form on Earth as Kyle Johnson. When Ebar gets into a fight at the sewage treatment plant, where he works, he is put into jail. A jailer overhears Ebar trying to contact his home planet and tells the authorities. Ebar is sent to the psychiatric ward of Buffalo County Hospital for evaluation where he eventually comes under the care of Jeremy Slater. Jeremy is a young mental health professional and Ebar's case is his first assignment. No one believes that Ebar is an alien. More to the point, everyone thinks he's crazy. After working with his patient for a month, Jeremy begins to believe Ebar truly is who he says he is and concocts a plan. If Ebar will quit talking about being an alien and pretend he is human, Jeremy will work with him so he can get released from the hospital and go on living his life. Ebar agrees. Jeremy's egotistical boss, Dr. Richard Andrews, has other ideas. He and a friend at the Pentagon have come up with a plan of their own. Andrews will take over the case and announced to the world that Ebar really is an alien. Andrews figures it will make him famous. His plan is to keep Ebar locked up and study him for the rest of his life. Jeremy is appalled. He and Ebar have become friends, and he can't allow Andrews to take control of his friend's life. Aided by co-worker Julie and her partner Ren, the four of them go on the run, with thugs sent by the Pentagon in hot pursuit. This is a story about good and evil, and is a mirror held up to the times we live in. Ultimately though, it is a story of friendship, a friendship that changes the lives of both Ebar and Jeremy forever. Jim Bates's Alien of Orchard Lake. Get your copy now at MythMart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. G'day from SA. This is Tim here with episode 243 of the World of Myth Bits. G'day, g'day, everyone. Uh, kicking off, lots to cover with housekeeping from uh, our CEO, Mr. David K. Montoya. Top of the list, Dark Myth Publications is excited to release Dragonson Anthology by Walter G. Esselman, due out next Tuesday, October the 10th. This is pretty cool news. Congratulations uh, to you, Walt. Uh, another wonderful, interesting title from Dark Myth Publications. Um, yeah, so definitely watch out MythMart.com, uh, October 10th, Tuesday. That's the launch date. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled. And yeah, support this wonderful, wonderful author uh, and this, uh, this great friend of the company. Number two for housekeeping, the editor-in-chief met with the publisher of North American Productions and discussed the complete lineup for 2024 and plans to begin producing chapbooks. So that's kind of cool news. Uh, I'm guessing that's you, Steph, uh, meeting with the publisher of North American Publication, uh, North American Productions. Yeah, so I'd be interested to see where this is sort of heading, uh, and um, yeah, the uh, the new range of chapbooks that will be coming out, I'm guessing, pro probably soon. Then, number three, Dark Myth Comics. After issue number 12 of American Smash, a multiple-person team 
will work on American Smash Annual Number 1, which will tie in Issue 12 and Issue 13. So that's kind of cool. Um, sort of the, the, the leeway. I think it's a um, currently a two-person team. I don't know, Dave, that, that might be wrong. Two-person team working on American Smash at the moment. But a multiple-person team, uh, probably a different style, maybe, or... Uh, uh, Maybe a, a, um, the quality differences? The, I don't know. I'm not sure. The, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and so, it's a American Smash Annual Number 1, which will tie in Issue Number 12 and Issue 13. So I guess it's a bridging edition? Maybe a recap? Or, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, number four for housekeeping. The contracts and rewards for the winners of Open Contract Challenge 2023 all have been sent out. Officially closing the 2023 season and allowing the Chief Director a rest until next March. So, the Chief Director may be having a rest, but the rest of us should be focusing on uh, our submissions for the uh, 2024, the sixth Open Contract Challenge. So uh, that's very, very exciting. So March is uh, is the kickoff. March 2024. Keep your ears and eyes open. Uh, yeah, for more news on that, uh, and make sure that you don't miss out on uh, on your sending in your submission in time. Uh, and then number five. Finishing off, don't forget to check out MythMart as our inventory continues to grow. Check out www.mythmart.com. It's a great range, as I've always said, great range of uh, novels, uh, stories, um, books of, uh, of interesting poetry, uh, great anthologies as well, uh, wonderful range of t-shirts, and now of course the uh, kicking off with the e-magazine uh, that you can now purchase a copy of the magazine, uh, the September 2023 edition of the World of Myth magazine. So yeah, make sure that you jump on, make sure that you check that out. Definitely. So that's all that we've really got on housekeeping for now. Um, so what I wanted to do is for this edition, I just wanted to jump in and sort of give you a, a bit of a, uh, an insight in, uh, in the life of Tim at the moment and some of the discoveries and the realizations that I've made. Um, for one thing, I have discovered the chaos and insanity of running multiple author events on the same day. So uh, I actually have coming up. So by the time this podcast goes live, it'll already it'll be over, over and and done with. Uh, but I'm super duper excited about the opportunity of meeting Australian literature royalty, uh, the the triple threat, uh, the uh, the the queen of of stage of screen. Uh, and uh, Australia's one of Australia's favourite romance writers, uh, Australiana writers, in the incredible Judy Nunn. So, for uh, for any Aussies listening in, yes, Elsa, the original Elsa from Home and Away. Um, Judy is a uh, an absolute gem of a lady, and. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely utterly thrilled to be able to be bringing her back to uh, to my local library here in Murray Bridge in South Australia as part of her Black Sheep tour, and yeah, it's it's a it's an absolute joy. Uh, this event seems to be coming together nicely, um, but the challenge is we've got the amazing Judy in the morning. Uh, and then following on from that in the afternoon, we have Carly Lane. And Carly Lane is a great Australian author in her own right. Uh, 
she's I think published like 15 books or 19 books or, or something phenomenal like that uh, a wonderful wonderful amazing very talented author um, I can't remember I, I seem to think we may have had Carly before years and years and years ago but I can't find the information and I can't find what book we had her in for if we did at all uh, and the confusion is uh, 2023 she's got at least two titles out already or one title out and one title coming just around the corner and I for the life of me I'm not entirely sure which particular title we are supposed to be focusing on supposed to be promoting and the other uh, sort of funny factor that that's coming into all, all of this is um, we actually have uh, South Australian author Leonie Kelsall is the one that's bringing Carly Lane she's sort of brought her to our attention she's uh, she's the driver and interviewer uh, doing the in conversation with Carly Lane as the the tour um, is going around South Australia so uh, so Leonie's actually um, contacted me directly and actually said oh, are you interested in having Carly Lane and of course we are like that's a, that's a no-brainer question does a library want a big-name author for an event yes that's a, a pretty simple question to answer but in trying madly to get everything organized for Judy Nunn uh, and um, technical hiccups that we've, we've had to solve and uh, all, all sorts of different things going on at the moment uh, we're, uh, we're in the midst of our October school holiday program as well uh, sort of scratching my head and going how are we going to make this work I still need to I've confirmed the bookseller for Judy Nunn but unfortunately the same bookseller is unable to uh, to do the second event that we've got happening the same day uh, so I've reached out to a local local bookseller but they're being incredibly difficult to get in touch with and to confirm things with so I basically left it um, probably about a month ago with that local bookseller of we would love you to do Carly Lane yes they would love to do Carly Lane they just need to work out if they can get the books and if they can make the time close their local shop and make the time available for us to be able to uh, be a part of that event and it's something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time I've been, I've been wanting to reach out to this local bookseller that we've got this incredible young lady uh, who's started her own business and is uh, is riding the highs and the lows of uh, of being a, a bookseller uh, and that in itself would be an absolute challenge I'm sure being uh, also she she does a lot of um, do, 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 what do you call it it's not mainstream that uh, it's not the popular authors and the, and the popular stuff the um, the the big name publishers that she uh, she actually uh, stocks and houses and sells uh, it's more the independent um, she's into uh, like vampire romance uh, and um, and mafia um, fantasy sci-fi with a romance element uh, some of it's darker some of it's more uh, sensual I suppose um, yeah there's some very very interesting the, the the business that she's running certainly isn't main yeah certainly isn't mainstream and it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this young lady goes um, whether or not she can pull pull it all together for for us and actually uh, be able to support this second event for us and yeah that's yeah that's that's a little bit stressful uh, and then at the same time we've got school holidays on so the kids are home um, 
So that of course in itself is different uh, and also the, the, um, the different sched working schedule that my wife's now got that's uh, different and unusual as well. Um, yeah, I was, yeah I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about how well we can pull off these two author events that still feel a little bit disorganized for one and really really disorganized for the other it's yeah it's it's going to be sit of the pants type stuff uh with fingers very very firmly crossed uh for pretty much the whole day so um yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see yeah it's yeah uh, but on a positive note, on a uh, on a flip side, um, I uh, I have discovered that uh, writing can be more than just writing, and of course that's that, that duh, that's that's evident in the fact that um, I've been lucky enough to score this gig, score uh, the opportunity to uh, to be the voice behind the world of Mythbits, uh, taking over from uh, from some very very talented podcasters that uh, that have kept you all entertained for uh, for many many a year um, coming up to uh, to 250 episodes uh, which is yeah which is pretty exciting definitely definitely a, a huge milestone for a podcast uh, and a, uh, a huge milestone for one that actually focuses probably a good 80% of the time on an independent publisher the things that they are doing are working on different projects that are happening um, and yeah it's it yeah it's it's interesting um, to think that writing and writers there's more more of an opportunity than just writing your story writing your poetry getting them published so it's um, yeah, it's it's good to to discover that uh, that these sort of opportunities are available, but they're they're rare opportunities, of course. But uh, I um, actually had a South Australian library reach out to me, knowing so I I've sort of I've sent out um, details to the South Australian Library Network. To say, hey, I've got the neighbour that I've published uh, a children's book, and I believe um, a few libraries uh, were willing enough to uh, to purchase a copy of that, uh, and also my teen fiction. The uh, I've been promoting it as an, an adult um, parody fiction novella, but the um, the public library system of South Australia has decided to uh, to earmark that particular title uh, Myrtle Norton's Guide to World Domination in the teen fiction area uh, which I'm happy I think yeah I think it's uh, it's a little bit mature it's definitely not for kids uh, but it has an element of silliness and an element of fun which may be lost on a, an adult audience that's uh, that's more interested in traditional fantasy written in a traditional way. I, uh, by all means, I uh, I certainly promote it and uh, and uh, suggest that uh, that adult or people of uh, of probably a, a fourteen to one hundred and fourteen age range uh, give it a go have have a read um, and uh, and I, I stand by the fact that I, I think that uh, that teens like I, I remember reading my first Terry Pratchett book and that's like um, Terry Pratchett the uh, the author Sir Terry Pratchett was very much an influence on the um, the, the writing style of this particular one of Myrtle Norton um, and actually, uh, a love of the man uh, and his writings uh, was what brought me together with the amazing Jenny 
who uh, who actually took my uh, my original manuscript and typed it up for me into something that I was able to then edit into what became Myrtle Norton's Guide to World Domination. It's uh, yeah, the, and at, at thirteen, I discovered for my birthday, I was uh, I received um, a copy of The Color of Magic, which was book one of the Discworld series, and immediately fell in love with this man's style, the uh, the the humor, the flow of the story. Um, yeah, just absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, and uh, that was at 13 so I'm, I'm thinking yeah the, the 13 13 14 is probably not too young for um, for Myrtle Norton uh, depending on the maturity of the um, of the reader um, the yeah definitely definitely um, late teens early 20s um, probably uh, me me myself in my mid 40s now I would probably enjoy uh, picking up a uh, a nice short read like that as well. It's only about 12, 12 13,000 words. So uh, it, it won't take people long to read. Hopefully they get a chuckle out of it. Um, but yes, my uh, go roll rolling back to my point uh, of my original point, uh, discovering about the um, the opportunity for um, for writers outside of the the dream of writing specifically um, I was yeah I was contacted by um, a, uh, a little library uh, that's uh, that's technically part of the um, a, a suburb of Adelaide I believe but so far out beyond beyond um, Adelaide our, our capital city of South Australia that it uh, it does it does feel very country um, very farmland, um, and I was invited to to go up there uh, and do a writing workshop for children as part of their school holiday activities. So um, it was a uh, a crazy crazy day. Uh, heading into work for the morning, like to Murray Bridge Library for the morning, uh, I ran four sessions of a piratical themed escape room. Uh, I was Captain Brownbeard, and there was a lot of yar yar and yo ho and ahoy me hoties. Uh, plenty of clues. Uh, the kids really embraced that idea of a, an escape room. Really get into it. Uh, do quite well to solve all the puzzles. Um, I give uh, the kids a uh, a 20 minute window for um, for completing the escape room puzzles that I set, and um, I was uh, was happy to see that um, that every single group took at least ten minutes. The um, the first two groups were around the the fourteen fourteen and a half minute mark, uh, and the second two group, the last two groups that I ran through that escape room were um, ten about ten and a half, nearly eleven, I think minutes. Um, which was was okay. Uh, obviously, the next escape room that I need to do, I'm sort of thinking about my ideas for um, for our January, our summer holidays here in uh, in the southern hemisphere in South Australia. Our uh, our summer holiday break uh, kicks off around Christmas and then goes through all the way through to the end of January. So the kids get about a six week, seven week break from school, uh, and we find either a lot of families choose to go away at that time uh, but times are tough at the moment so I, I'm suspecting that a lot of families will want to hang around home uh, this summer and will be um, looking for free things to do and that's where your um, your local library very much comes in handy so uh, so yes, the um, the pressure's on to uh, to run a whole bunch of sessions with a brand new escape room, and I will be looking to make this one extra challenging. I think uh, I want to be trying to push the kids to be um, taking around the the fifteen to eighteen minute mark to uh, to get through this one. 
so uh, so maybe a lot of different puzzles in the one space that they need to solve before they move on to the uh, the next room uh, and then um, yeah maybe one big puzzle at the very end that maybe brings together all of the different ideas from the different rooms but we'll have to wait and see with I'm not even quite sure about the the actual theme yet for uh, for this one but I've done uh, Halloween like a haunted house I've done uh, an Easter theme well two two different Easter themes I've done a space theme um, I've done uh, a jungle temple which um, which seemed to go quite well um, I've done yeah lots and lots and lots of different themes uh, I think maybe this one I might go back and have a look uh, examine maybe a way that I can incorporate uh, different well-known children's stories into um, into this one uh, yeah we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, but anyway the, um, the the main thing that I wanted to focus on today was yeah that opportunity that I've now discovered that uh, I can run workshops I can I can encourage children to write uh, I can uh, try and help the next generation of, uh, of creators of poets and short story writers and uh, and artists uh, and share with them the opportunities that I've managed to discover over the years and years of writing so uh, yeah I've, I've really uh, I've, I've sort of opened the, the doors to possibility for myself through um, self-publishing uh, a fantasy novel in July of 2018 uh, and I had no idea of all of the opportunities that would sort of tumble out from opening that door so I uh, just wanted to sort of paint the picture for you um, once I'd finished with the um, the sessions I was lucky enough that the, the last two sessions of my escape room that I, I did that day were the shorter ones uh, the groups worked together well they um, they came up with some great ideas of uh, different ways uh, thinking outside of the box for um, for solving the puzzles that I'd set are uh, the tasks that they had to achieve uh, which was really cool to see I was very very happy to see that um, and I was very very happy that uh, I had plenty of time to sort of tidy up the um, the meeting room facility the meeting room space so that I didn't leave all of that extra work to um, to the uh, the other staff to do in my absence because I uh, I had to make a quick getaway I had a um, basically an hour and a half journey by car that I needed to make to a destination that I kind of vaguely thought I knew where it was and I was incredibly lucky that my beautiful wife uh, had taken the day off so that she could bring my daughters in to uh, to be able to take part in the escape room that I was running uh, and it's wonderful to have such uh, such family support in um, in the different activities that I, I try and do and I try and set up for community it's uh, it's great to uh, to have uh, I mean my uh, my youngest is now 13 so she's almost starting to get too old for um, for the the school holiday activities that we run at the library they're mainly aimed at primary age kids so it's like it's, it's almost the 5 to 12 age group but these kids are still getting into it still enjoying it um, yeah it's uh, it's going quite well um, and I'm really really enjoying doing that sort of side of it still the um, the kids entertaining and the bringing young families in through the doors uh, that uh, that's something that I've always been passionate about so yeah that that's uh, that seems to be going well 
Um, but yes, the hour and a half. So it was basically a um, tidy up, finish at 12, race home, get changed, jump in the car with the, um, the wife and the daughters, and uh, yeah, heading up the road, past the city, keep going, uh, out into um, what seems like the middle of nowhere, and um, and then um, found this uh, this little place called Two Wells, where they welcomed me with open arms, and uh, I had, I reckon, eight or nine young riders in the workshop, and we had technical difficulties, uh, but the the guts, the gist of the idea behind the workshop was uh, just looking at introducing to these kids the possibility of ways of writing a story fresh or the fact that a story can come from anywhere. Um, I looked at um, running it with uh, with three the three rules of writing. I wanted to keep it pretty simple. But I had an hour that I sort of had to um, to fill, uh, and once we kicked off, it was it was vague, vaguely it was basically um, maybe 45, 50 minutes I had. Uh, but these kids could have written all day. Like uh, once we um, we explored the idea of the fact that a story needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, so the three things that a story needs. Uh, and then I introduced a concept which I like to do with my kids, and then I also like to do, I've done with um, a couple of the story times that I, uh, I've i run at uh, the Murray Ridge Library, um, and just say, look, I'm going to put the books away, let's do a three things story. So I, I spoke about the three things stories need, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, but the concept of a three things story is plucking from your audience or plucking from your head three different things so like a uh, a blow-up dinosaur um, uh, a cloud shaped like a banana um, and um, a koala in a gum tree and you've got Three, three specific things that you then need to include in your story. It might be a long story, it might be a short story. Um, you may add extra elements, you may have three, four, five, six, ten things in a story. But your story has to include the three things that um, you came up with at the, the very beginning. And so I spoke to the kids. They had a fresh page, a blank notebook. The library had supplied them with a, a notebook and a pen, and I produced for them uh, a workbook to um, to work on as well. And um, I gave them about 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to start writing their story. So I, I spoke to the kids, uh, sort of went around the room, spent one or two minutes with each of them saying, what can you, what do you like? What can you write about? What sort of ideas do you have in your head? And these kids really, really embraced the whole idea of going with a fresh, brand new idea that they hadn't necessarily thought of before. Or maybe it was something that they've sort of been considering in the back of their mind. It's a story that they want to write about. Uh, but I made them specify three distinct things that their story was going to feature, was going to be about. Um, and there were some crazy, crazy ideas. But uh, I loved the way that each of the kids took that idea and sort of ran with it. And one of the other things that I did... Oh, so hang on. So, so rule number one was every story needs a beginning, middle and end. Uh, and then rule number two was every story has a genre and an audience. So it's the focus of the story. Uh, what sort of story are you writing? Uh, what sort of 
audience are you writing for? Are you writing for yourself? Are you writing for your friend? Are you writing for a local newspaper? Are you writing for, um, with the idea that you want to get it published and you want it read by people that don't even know you, people that you may not ever get a chance to meet, um, the national audience or the international audience. Um, because the cool thing about writing these days, of course, is the fact that there is um, an ample amount of opportunity for us to send off our works, um, have them considered, uh, and then, fingers crossed, if all goes well, get them published, which is super, super exciting. Um, I think when, when I was originally writing back in my high school days, uh, back in the late, uh, late 90s, uh, mid, mid to late 90s, uh, or even in my, my childhood days when I was, um, I was originally sort of playing around with the idea of writing down stories and uh, getting together with, uh, with my brothers and my cousins um, high on soft drink and, and lollies and just bouncing off the walls, getting to 8.30, 9 o'clock at night uh, and just coming up with these ridiculous ideas about um, Sam Toucan from the Kellogg's um, Fruit Loops cereal as a detective and the villain being um, Terry the, the uh, Frosty's Tiger um, and then somewhere in there is the Puddle Pop Lion as well and uh, oh, just these, these ridiculous nonsense stories that, uh, that I was coming up with with my cousins and we'd sort of just bounce these crazy ideas off each other and we'd just get more and more and more hyped up as, uh, as the, the night went on and you, you're trying to, to jot down these, uh, these details about this crazy zany story and then by morning you sort of look back and you go, ah, oh, this is what we did, this is going to be amazing and you sort of look back over the notes that you've made uh, and it's all chaos and nothing whatsoever makes sense but at that time, in that moment, the uh, the story was there, the moment was there, uh, and the tears that were rolling down your cheeks were most certainly real. Um, so thank goodness there there was probably less of an opportunity to to get published online. Um, I mean, back then, I don't think the internet or the internet wasn't even a thing. So. Uh, so uh, yes, I, I think we dodged a bullet there with some of these, these crazy, insane ideas that never, ever, ever came to light, and uh, and probably never, ever, ever will. Um, but I, uh, I hand on heart, I can guarantee that there are plenty more zany, crazy ideas that are, uh, are sort of buried in my mind, uh, scrambling to get out and onto the page. Uh, and hopefully online or hopefully in uh, an anthology somewhere in the uh, in the near to far future that's not the issue uh, but the um, yeah in this workshop it was incredible to sort of go go over those uh, those three things um, rule number one beginning middle and end rule number two uh, the audience and the genre um, and then also to sort of make the kids think that a story doesn't necessarily have to stick to a particular genre, or uh, you don't. You may write it for yourself as the audience, and it may end up getting published overseas, or it may end up being shared with a friend in the end, or um, you you may write something initially for yourself, and then you may give it as a gift to uh, to a friend for um, for their birthday, or just to to show that you're thinking of them, or um, or that sort of thing. There's there's plenty that you can do with uh, with poetry and uh, and short story writing and uh, and dedicating a novel to um, to those who have been a hundred percent behind you and been uh, supporting you all uh, all the rest of the way. And to be brutally honest, without the booklet here and uh, in front of me, I can't even remember what rule number three is. 
but uh, but I assume rule number three was vaguely important, important enough for me to um, to mention in the booklet. Uh, but it was uh, was interesting once we'd sort of covered off on rule number one and we were sort of vaguely discussing and talking about rule number two. Uh, it ended up being that the workshop was just an opportunity for these kids to write down their ideas, um, and it's sensing your audience too. As you're as you're sort of going through and as you're actually running a workshop like this, it's uh, it's picking up on the cues, the the fact that these kids were uh, were literally writing uh, one or two or starting on a third page of this story, and um, it was from um, activity number one uh, relating to uh, to rule number one. Uh, was what sort of kicked this story off and the kids just wanted to keep going they uh, they didn't really want to um, to to hear anything else about um, how they should be writing or what they should be writing and I think that's important too is uh, is as a writer that uh, is purely individual you you write for your own purpose you uh, you need to have your own unique way of going about things, way of telling a story, way of getting it down on a page. Um, oh, that's right. The um, I think rule number three had something to do with yes. I tr I tried to to explain to the kids what the concept of show don't tell actually means, uh, and some of the kids knew it better than I did. Which uh, which was uh, which made me made me smile. They're um, budding young writers that know enough about the craft already. They didn't really need me there. Um, but yes, it was wonderful uh, to be able to encourage these kids to be able to write, but then also to mention things like um, the World of Myth magazine. As uh, as an opportunity, I uh, I know that um, we have the children's section for children's stories, but uh, we also have the youth art section. Uh, I'm sure that um, well, I know I know for a fact that uh, that my young niece, I reckon she was about eight or nine, maybe maybe nine maybe nine. Um, when I spotted a Christmas poem that she'd written on the back of a piece of paper uh, and I asked her permission, do you want me or am I allowed to send this on to um, the world of myth uh, for it to be included in the December um, December magazine? Uh, and Tilly said yes and it's in the, the December edition of, uh, of the magazine come out um, late, late, late last year. Which, uh, which I'm super proud of and I've, I've encouraged her by doing that I've, uh, I've encouraged her and her family her family are utterly thrilled um, and so Tilly's now working on an, uh, an October poem which uh, I'm hoping that she'll have done before the 14th so that um, I have enough time to actually send it off to Steph uh, and say look could, would you be uh, kind enough to to include this in the uh, the upcoming October edition of uh, of the world of myth e magazine uh, and I uh, I'm sure as sure that uh, that Tilly's parents will be more than happy to buy a physical copy of the magazine that has their daughter's poem in it which I think is super super exciting the uh, the next generation of writers is coming through just like uh, the incredibly talented Zoe uh, Montoya is uh, is leading the way with the, um, the the youth art section, pulling off some incredible pieces. Uh, always interesting to see what you come up with <coughs> each and every month. <coughs> Excuse me always interested Zoe in seeing what it is that you come up with each and every month um, and I'm just I'm gonna be super thrilled to uh, to find out if um, some of these kids 
actually take up the opportunity, finish off their stories, get them typed up, uh, maybe at their local library, heading into the Two Wells Library to, uh, to type up their stories, uh, and then emailing it off, whether it's through their own email account if they've got one, or through their parents' email account, um, or maybe through the library. Like there might be something that the, um, the head librarian there can do to, uh, to encourage these kids to send off their, um, their works, their stories and, and poetry that they come up with. Uh, and even some of the artwork as well. I spoke about um, young artists can send in their, um, their creations, their drawings and, and such. And yeah, so hopefully we'll get a, a bit of an influx from, uh, from the Two Wells area in South Australia into, uh, into the world of myth as well. Um, but I just love the fact that these kids just ran with this idea. Uh, I sort of planted the seed of these three different concepts, these three different things that they can write about a story. There was one little guy, uh, just a, amazing in, um, in that he, uh, he wanted to write about a, pop, a penguin, loves penguins, uh, wanted to write about uh, an aeroplane, so um, the penguin was going to be the pilot of the aeroplane. Uh, and this aeroplane was going to fly to the moon. And I thought, penguin, aeroplane, moon, three crazy concepts that you normally wouldn't have uh, in one story. But in this kid's mind, the, um, the, the, the fun ridiculousness uh, was going to be a winner. Um, and so he, he's run with it, and I'm hoping beyond hope that he's still writing this story that he's filling this workbook um, a couple of pages worth of, uh, of this great crazy short story that he came up with um, and we've got talking kittens we've got um, what what I really loved was there was a sister um, two sisters that came along uh, one was quite shy and uh, I'm hoping that I didn't put too much pressure on her. Uh, she walked away with a blank notebook, but she walked away with the notebook and the pen and the confidence that when the story comes, that's her notebook, that's her pen that she can use to jot it down. So I thought that was really cool. That was a, a, a bit of a win that, um, that she sort of come away not crushed, that she didn't get anything down, but the fact that... Um, that she knows that the opportunity is there, and when the opportunity strikes, that uh, that she has a way to, to get it down and to capture it. Uh, but her sister, um, the grandma that brought them in, wanted me to know that she's um, she's quite autistic, uh, and that um, her confidence she um, she often struggles with confidence. And so for the fact that, uh, that I was able to encourage her to, to write a story um, and the, the fact that we sort of covered off on the, the fact that stories can be fiction or non-fiction and she chose to write about her sister and her sister's love of birds and I thought that was a beautiful thing uh, and I was uh, speaking to the, the parents and the parents, their ears sort of pricked up. They were very, very interested in what opportunities their kids now have, or their grandkids now have, to then, once they've written these stories, where they can take them. Um, and so I thought that was in incredibly important to actually share with them a couple of opportunities, a couple of different websites that they can check out where they can send these works uh, and um, and hopefully get them accepted and hopefully get them published. So that, yeah, that, that was a, a, uh, a real thrill for me in amongst the chaos of trying to organize author events, a double author event day, um, the, um, the escape room that, uh, that I run um, each holidays, uh, and then also the, uh, the writer's workshop as well. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a, a real thrill ride. Uh, now I need to find the time to 
to actually write uh, my couple of, uh, of stories that I want to send off before the, um, the 15th of October for um, an upcoming edition of the World of Myth e-magazine. So I hope that you're all writing madly well as well. Uh, and I, uh, I hope that, uh, that this edition of the podcast, this chaotic throwing together of, uh, of potential ideas, this glimpse into my current life, hopefully it's inspired you to sort of look beyond the writing at what other opportunities your writing may be able to present for you. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and at the end of the day, aren't we all incredibly lucky? that there, uh, there is a platform such as uh, www.theworldofmyth.com where regardless of the genre, regardless of the age of the writer, regardless of the, the, the style, the shortness, the length, as long as it's not over 3,000 words, uh, or if it is over 3,000 words, as long as it's something that's able to be broken up into uh, a couple of different distinct parts, a two-parter, three-parter. Uh, in the case of Tom's, uh, an 81-part an story, I think. Um, what, whatever the style, whatever the genre, whatever the audience, uh, thanks to, uh, to Dave and Steph and the team at, uh, at Dark Myth. We're, um, we're very, very, very lucky. Yes, Dark Myth Publications the place where um, where anything and everything is welcomed. Thank you, and thank you for listening.